message is called Read Jesus in Your Life. I may, that may be the only time I say that in this message, but um, essentially I'm going to be talking about what it is to reach in and grab something from that uh, heavenly realm and seeing that released in your life today. Um, I love this verse from uh, Ephesians 2, verse 8, first verse I ever memorized, for it's by grace that we are saved through faith, through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's a gift of God. It's a gift. So we have, we have this gift called grace, and grace is the enabling power of Jesus Christ to do things that we could never do on our own, eh? So, but we, we need to access that gift through something. And so for us humans, God said, hey, that, that's, that gateway is going to be faith. That gateway is going to be your belief and, and your power to stand in something that you cannot see. So today I'm going to be just talking about what it is to build an atmosphere of faith around your life and also just to kind of watch out for what is actually trying to steal that faith away. And then I want to finish with one thing that we can do together that really is going to create an atmosphere of faith and belief uh, in our lives. Because if we don't have faith, what is it? The Bible says it's impossible to please God. And there's just no point in being a Christian if you don't have any faith. It's like, what's the, what's the deal? This is the substance of, 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 you know, of what we're hoping for, isn't it? So faith is good. Faith is nuggety. Nuggety. <laughs> so I've just got a few, um, I've got a PowerPoint here, and I just want you to have a look at these, because I just grabbed a few uh, sayings that are really familiar in our culture. They're really familiar sayings that, you know, it's just like something happened, and you just say these little things, and you hear them. You know, you made your bed sleep in it. And I just, and I, um, and I just want you to look at these in light of the power of grace and faith working together. Do these sayings have anything to do with the power of grace and faith working together in your life? You know, you made your bed, you can sleep in it. Or he had it, he had it coming to him. What does the Word of God say about something like that? It says, no, it says, his mercies are new every day. His mercies are new. It's so easy for us to go, you know, you don't come to him. But his mercies are new every day. We take that posture of faith. That's Murphy's Law. You know, that always happens to me. Something good happens. Something bad is just around the corner. And I, oh, you know, that's life, eh? Romans 5.17. It says that we receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness to reign in life. You know, when we start winning, God wants us to stay winning. <laughs> He's not going to give us something bad. He's not, something bad isn't around the corner from His perspectives in our lives. He wants us to rule and reign in life. Everything happens for a reason. And you hear, actually, you do hear this said in Christian circles as well. Everything happens for a reason. And I just want to push back on that because actually there are some stupid things that happen without much thought or reason in life. They just are. Dumb stuff happens. Man, I still make silly decisions very rarely. Debbie will tell you that. <laughs> Yeah, um, ask Debbie where my keys are. Anyway, um, 
those stupid things, that's, you know, the stupid things happen, but that's not the full stop because it says, you know, that God can work all things for good, you know, all things together for good for those who love him are called according to their purpose. So he can work something in the, you know, in the things that don't make sense and the things that hurt and the things that really are stupid. He can actually do something and work something good into. Time heals all wounds. You know, there's a difference between forgetting and healing. There's a, there's a real difference here. I've seen um, people healed uh, with the Holy Spirit and truth from things that have happened that they've forgotten about, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Suddenly there's tears and God's bringing his healing and, and, and renewal into some, some wound that hurt. And time didn't heal it. It just, we just forgot. You know, see... I just want to just, like, we, as believers and as a church, we have a posture that is different from the world. Their mottos, their sayings are not our sayings. I mean, we love the world and we want to see them adopt our sayings and, and, and the truth and the word, but it's, we're, we're different. You're born different. The Bible even goes as far to say that once you have received Christ, that you're an alien and a stranger in this land. Come on, tell your neighbor they're an alien. They may, not, they may look like one. <laughs> but all the good things, all the good things that Christ has done for us, made accessible for us, are accessed through faith. They are. They're accessed. I mean, we've got to go down that tunnel. You know? So there's a saying, eh, that says God closes one door and he opens another, but it's hell in the hallway. And sometimes those hallway experiences are those faith experiences where we don't see anything. We don't see it, but yet God's calling it. He's calling us to it because he wants us to grow and mature in him. So your, um, your tunnel of chaos <laughs> right now, you know, your journey of faith, that's your access way and your opportunity that's going to redefine your future if you continue to step in that. And, and you know, your future in Christ is not dependent on your past successes or failures. Jesus redefined it. He redefined it. Read Jesus, your life. Um, we, uh, as a staff here on Wednesday, um, we're just praying together. And just I just felt like it's just a real time for us to stand together and pray for our community and bless our community because God has got big, big plans for this town. He, he loves Rangiora. He loves North Canterbury. And we as believers have, have an opportunity to declare life over our region, to declare his healing over families, his redemption into brokenness, to, to be praying for those in government over this region. Like we, uh, we get to call in his kingdom. And we have to do this from a position of faith. We are powerful people. We are powerful. Our words are powerful. And our words count. Our, our words really, really count. And so when we start praying and believing together as a people and, and the churches across you know, this region do this, we're going to see the kingdom of heaven realized in the little by little, the moments by moments, and in our lives. That's what we're here for. That's what, that's what church does. This is the church is, is, is God's kind of idea at, at blessing the planet. 
It's not the full stop, though. It's not like just get everyone into church. It's releasing the kingdom uh, through the church. So anyway, I want, if you've got your Bibles, we're just going to speak from Mark 9, 22. Mark 9, 22. Um, this is cool. Oh, how about that? They came to Bethsaida, and some people uh, brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes, because that's what you do when you're in a process of healing someone, spit on their eyes. No, I don't know, but Jesus thought this was necessary. He didn't just spit on his eyes, he put his hands on him. And Jesus asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people and they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Interesting way to finish that process of healing of like, don't go back. Don't go back into that environment. And I just want to spend a few moments on, on talking about that environment that Jesus took this man out of so he could release the healing too. And so here you've got, you've got a man with no eyesight, I believe, in a town with no vision. You've got a man with no eyesight who lived in a town with limited vision. The, the man's vision was restricted while he was connected geographically. Hey, he was, he was connected geographically to that community. This man was a part of the, he was part of Rangiora. He was, he was there and he, was, he knew what was happening in the community. But Jesus had to take him out of that. He had to remove him out of those people, out of the familiar. He had to remove him uh, to work his miracle. And I believe this scripture is saying a lot by what it's not saying. See, if Jesus had been welcomed into this village and the people were alive with expectation and freedom, that when he turns up, something is going to go wild. Something is going to break free. Something is going to shift and blind eyes are going to be opened for a start. That's going to be good, isn't it? Food could be multiplied. The demonic realm would buckle under the presence of Jesus. Minds would be renewed. Peace and joy would be released. And the kingdom of heaven would have been revealed if the town had welcomed Jesus and saw him as who he is. See, if that was the attitude that day in Bethsaida, I think Jesus would have had a good day in town. He would have had a great day there. And I believe, you know, he because Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And, and see, I believe that the, the Father, he's like he's on the edge of his seat. That's how I see the Father. He's just on the edge of his seat waiting for his kids to come to him, waiting to bless. He's waiting to give. He's waiting to, to make his goodness manifest in our lives. That's what the Father does. That's how he rolls. But you see, Jesus wasn't seeing the Father doing that. He was just like, I can't see the Father. What's, what's happening in this town? So Jesus is like, I can't do this. I'm not received. I, I cannot work my miracles. 
See, I think there's a common world view here in this village that is preventing Jesus to do what he's doing. Like in a nutshell, they're not seeing Jesus for who he is. They're not seeing it. They're not seeing it. And if they're not seeing it, Jesus can't be it. See, for us, the vision we hold of Jesus is either a powerful doorway of opportunity to healing or in heaven invading our lives through, or our mindset could be a roadblock preventing our hopes and dreams to be realized. That's, that's it. This, this, is the real, this is how I know my life operates when I'm in my walk with Christ. I know I have to keep that posture of belief in the goodness of God, no matter what is going on around you. And I don't know, um, you know, all you guys, I know some of you guys, and you're awesome, but I don't know what village you came from. I don't know what your mindsets were, your family mottos going over and that were forming the beliefs in who you are and what you expect out of life. I don't know that. I don't. But I want to tell you that if, if you feel limited today, if you feel like your life is actually, it's still feeling squashed, then Christ can redefine your life. He wants you to start hoping in his goodness and his promises. He is a good, good dad into your situations right now. He wants to bring hope and peace and freedom and healing. That's just what he does. He's amazing. That's just what he does. Jesus healed the blind man in three stages, and I just want to look at the first one today. You know, he took him out of the town, and then he prayed for, he spat in his face, put his hands on him, prayed for him twice, and, and the man was healed. But the first stage of this guy's healing is that he led him out of the village. He led him out, and he said, let's start fresh. You don't belong. I can't do what I want to do for you in there, in that place. I need to lead you out of something. He led him from something to something. And he led, he led him from a, a village blindness to a kingdom vision and reality. And so if, you, if you're someone here today and you're like, I just, I want, I want to get out of this crushing feeling in my life, then you've got to be willing to be led. That is, that is the first step for you is to be willing to be led. And he see Jesus couldn't do because of this man's worldview and and the familiar things that were happening around this man's life in this village would have still been there if Jesus was trying to talk to him. You know, there would have been people that just knew this guy. Oh yeah, you know, he couldn't do anything for him. He's just that guy. He's just that blind guy. But Jesus took him out from to do something amazing too. He led him out of familiar security. And familiar security gives us comfort. You know, we've got the familiar, the familiar sounds because he didn't, he couldn't see. Familiar options. And I think that this is a, this is the place of us going, you know, I want to just surrender my own strength. I want to surrender this. I want to surrender my ability to just kind of feel safe and normal in this community. And Jesus took him out of that place uh, where he was dependent on his own strength and his own ability. Do you know, Jesus cannot build on top of anything in our lives that does not have a foundation of truth. 
He can't build. He just can't build on anything. I was at a, um, a cafe last week, and I just looked at a, a menu board, and, and uh, a chalk menu board, and it's rewritten every day. And it just simple thought struck me, and it was that they just cannot rewrite over the same thing every day, you know. You just can't write the new menu over an old menu. It's got to be removed so the new re- menu can be written. It's like the uh, in Christchurch, what, what has happened? Before the rebuild, there's got to be a deconstruction before a reconstruction. And, so, and that is the same way when we bring our life to Christ and we bring our worldview to Christ and we, we bring all this stuff to Christ that needs to be surrendered. So, and some stuff might remain and some stuff is like, you know, that's got to go because I can't build with that way that you're thinking about yourself. I can't build with that attitude. I can't build with that unbelief in your life. I just can't build with that. It's got to go. You know, the definition of insanity is like doing the same thing every day and expecting uh, a different result. And if you're in a Christian life and you're like, man, I just, uh, you know, if I look back two years from now, I'm the same person doing the same thing. I want to tell you today that Jesus wants to re-Jesus your life. He wants to redefine you. His grace redefines us. and, And it's time to move. It's time to actually look at ourselves and go, what needs to go? Not all of us. I hope this doesn't sound like a slap on the hand. You're amazing. But I want to call you up into everything that you're called to be and, and who you're called to be. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. Anyway, so don't get, you know, the lies of the familiar, like that lie. Everything happens for a reason. No. Get out of town. Hebrews 10.35 so do not throw away your confidence, for it will be richly rewarded. Sorry, that's a PowerPoint too, Connor. Our confidence as followers of Jesus Christ is our belief in the ever-presence goodness of God. You know, the worldview of the village, that the village that the blind man had, did not have confidence in trusting in Jesus. This is basic stuff, I know, but this is the confidence in Jesus. Confidence. A hope that he will do something great. Come out of the village and be with Jesus because he wants to impart confidence. Verse 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised You know, persevering in our faith with our confidence leads us to rewards and belonging to Him. And then in verse 39, this was, this is a cool verse. I was uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was like, man, I really need some confidence right now. (laughs) I don't actually know that's what I need. I was just feeling like I was in the woods. I was like, God, what are you doing? Uh, I really, I was just like, man. And I was just, I remember I was at the, the, the dining room table and actually, you know, leaning on the bar in the kitchen and just God reminded me of this verse. And it's such a powerful verse. It says, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith or believe and are saved. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith or believe and are saved. God, you know, the belief, the faith, you know, like I started off talking about 
grace and faith. And we've, he, he can, we can access his grace through faith. Believing is moving in faith. Believing is your access point to the confidence that you have in God, to His goodness being released and revealed in your life. There's, a, there's two companies of people in this verse, and it's really black and white, and it's pretty straight. We've got the shrinkers and the believers. We've got those destroyed and those that are saved. And when Jesus led the blind man out of the village, he led him away from a small, shrunken village way of thinking into an environment of belief and of faith. He's always leading us into something greater. He doesn't want us to stay outside the village. He wants us to, he wants us to go on and do other things. He is leading your life. Be willing to be led. Take back your confidence. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You must persevere because then you will receive everything that he's promised. We're going to be a persevering church. We're going to be a church that's confident. We're going to be a church that knows the goodness of the Father. And that's why we're confident. That's why we trust him because he doesn't give bad things to his kids. You know, he took, Jesus took this man out of the village so he could take the village out of the man, eh? You know, it's like, I just got to get all those ways of thinking out of you because I want to I heal you. I want to make you whole and I want to restore your life. A few chapters earlier in Mark, Jesus faced a similar environment. And it says this, he could not do any miracles there except to lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Man, if I want Jesus to be amazed at me, I don't want him to be amazed at my lack of faith. <laughs> Come on, we want him to be amazed at, at, at our courage. You know, he was amazed at the centurion, you know, because of, because of his faith. And so he's calling us to like, whoa, let's surprise Jesus with our faith. So come on. You know, um, Jesus wants to do something in your life. He just needs faith to do it. He wants to do something. Receiving from God has nothing to do with how fancy you pray. You don't have to know Christian jargon or all those verses and stuff like me, eh? Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, move on. It's good. Hey, I grew up in this country. Um, you know, your belief releases victory. It's what counts. Those who are believed will be saved. Jesus was looking for faith, confidence in him. And do you know, it's okay to not understand what God is doing in your life. Like, it is okay to be a Christian and to be following Jesus, but being, be clueless. You know, sometimes that's what it is. It's like, I don't know what way is up and I don't I know you've given me a word and I'm standing in this and I don't understand that's when you get people around you you know standing with you but sometimes in life we just we don't know what it's you know and that's why it's called faith I guess so today I just want to um, finish with one thing that releases faith and activates a synergy between heaven and earth and Josh already touched on this today um, and that's our worship I, uh, I had the thought, you know, if Jesus just kind of popped in, which is what he did this morning, which was very nice of him. Um, and 
How would he find us? Would it be like the village? Or is he going to find us with a kingdom mindset? Is he going to work something amongst us? Or is he going to go, like, oh, I can take one of you guys out. Come on, let's go over to, the, over to Montes and I'll pray for you. Um, he wants, we want him to do that here, eh? <laughs> we want him to just do crazy fun stuff in worship and, and in his presence. And, and so I just want to talk a little bit about our worship uh, today. Because worship is such a foreign word in our culture today, right? Eh? It's just, who talks about worship? It's a weird word. Um, but worship is an expression of our devotion, isn't it? And we still live in a culture that understands what devotion looks like, especially when you see what people are bound to. Uh, then you see a, a form of worship, don't you? It's like the posture of life. So what's the value? This is getting real basic. What's the value of coming to church and singing songs? Why do we praise and worship? Got about. Through music, uh, we have an amazing opportunity to gather together and express our devotion and our praise to God every single Sunday. We get together, we, we, we tell Him how good He is, how great He is. Uh, and it's not, you know, singing together, it's not our only expression of worship. Because, you know, when He's in the mix of our life, we, we follow Him, we lay our lives down for Him, and, and that itself is an expression of, of worship. So why worship? Why worship? How can my words or actions actually make a difference to God's day? Because if the village were a village of worshipers, Jesus would have been amongst that, wouldn't he? I want to say the first reason for you to worship is to bless the heart of God. It is just to bless the heart of God. You know, to love the Lord your God is the first commandment with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And goes beyond Sundays. You know, it's this is our response to his goodness in our lives, his kindness. He loved us first. He gave us the gift of life and love. Uh, to be able to express love back to him and bless him, that is, I believe, that is the reason that we can just make an effort to kind of put him in, in that place of being the king of our lives. So I think as a church, we need to actually make this a real priority to do this on a Sunday morning, to honor him on a Sunday morning, to come together, to see if we can just sneak in the door at 10 o'clock. And because the band have been here for like an hour and a half, preparing this place for you and so we need to honor him because they're honoring him and they want to lead us into something that is really awesome so let's be a church of worshipers why should I bother to participate in worship with the church uh, down to the individuals I think worship just gives us perspective again of who's the boss of who's king of, of, of me small, you big. You know, it's like, that's, that's what worship does. It redefines our perspective of, of who's the king of the universe because it isn't me. You know, I'm no self-made man. I need Jesus Christ in my life. And that's what worship says. In Psalm 22 verse 3, it says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And that word inhabits actually means he, he sits down. He gets amongst us. He, he, he's right there as ruler in our lives. And so I think of this, that, that if we're worshiping together, what else could Jesus be doing amongst other people that, are, that need breakthrough in their lives? If his presence is being inhabited by our worship, then he walks amongst us. And then if he walks amongst us, we're letting him be who he is. 
We're letting him be who he is. You know, Silas and Paul in the Bible, they were in prison and they decided that, that praise and worship was going to be the best form of killing time. So that's what they got to and they worshipped and the, and the atmosphere shifted and the chains fell off and there was an earthquake and that freedom and they all ran off and, and then the jailer got, uh, you know, saved and it was just a great holy mess because they worshipped. Jesus came into the situation because they had perspective of who was the king in their situation. Another thing, I feel weird singing in front of others. And this is, can be quite hard for guys as well. Um, you know, I just want to just say start small. <laughs> start small, but start. You know, maybe just start moving your lips. That You know, sound doesn't have to come out. Just like pretend, fake it. Just like, just start. Start small. Because most of the time in life, in your journey, God calls us to take a step of faith. And that means it's in it, over our comfort zone and out of our comfort zone. So start start small. Maybe um, maybe you don't, don't feel like you have to go straight to the, yeah, we scored a try hand pump. Just start with the carrying the shopping bag. Like, ooh. Maybe two bags. And you can move from there but you know that's how I started I remember just being so self-conscious like it's just because what you're doing is that you're pushing against the restriction that's what you're doing at the moment if you can't do that then you're actually stuck he's calling us to to become free and you know through body language when someone's shut down or free and, you know, and it's the same with worship. Yeah. I feel nothing when I praise God. Worship is, you know, this is a position of our heart, and it's not about having an overwhelming feeling. You know, it's a position of our heart. Yeah, thank you, band, if you're coming up. It's awesome. But if you do have an overwhelming feeling when you're worshipping, that is awesome too. <laughs> That's really cool. I've seen um, young people, uh, never been, there was one young guy who came in, um, never been in church his whole life. He came in on a Friday night and got into, uh, into worship and he was so powerfully touched by the Holy Spirit. He was on the ground bawling his eyes out with his hands in the air. And he was a 17-year-old, 15, 16-year-old boy, you know. That's that's wild you know so God can wreck us in worship so that's good do you know I feel nothing when I praise God sometimes it's a sacrifice to worship despite your feelings David said you know I will tell my soul to praise God you know he's talking to his flesh saying like Josh was saying like get in line with my spirit because as my spirit is alive and wants to worship, but my flesh feels so discouraged. And, and we are led in life by our spirit, not our flesh. So let's, let's follow our spirit's prompting. Worship affirms our confidence in God, builds an atmosphere for Him to be lifted up and to walk amongst us. We need worship. We need each other to worship. You know, some, everyone's in different spaces and places here today. And your worship today may have allowed someone else to have an encounter with Jesus. 
because that's what they needed. Because you opened a gateway of praise and you entered in with thanksgiving. You just, something happened for someone else. You know, we come to church. Church is awesome. It's like, you know, Chris would say, it's like the dinner table. And we get to do this every week. And it's, and it, but it's a potluck, isn't it? Because we all bring something to it. We all bring something. It's not, we're not like just a takeaway church where you just come and take, take. We bring something. We bring praise. We bring encouragement. We bring friendship. That's what, that's what gathering together on a Sunday morning is about. And, and I hope that, you know, as we grow, that people will just catch the heart of God because what we're releasing from our heart to Him is they walk in the door, they have this encounter with an irresistible God. They cannot, they cannot resist the presence of what has been released in this place here. So this is fun. This is going to be great. We're in a, you guys are in a great place are in a great place, you know. You know, all things do work together for good, no matter what you're facing. It's not just a Christian cliche, but he, that, that word that God has for your life today, he is at work if as you allow him to be at work. Let's just stand this morning and we'll pray and we're going to finish with an awesome song. Yes, Lord, we just thank you uh, today that you want to break into our lives. You're always breaking through the dark, as we sang about today, changing lives and healing hearts. And that's just what you always do because you can't help yourself. You're awesome. We just thank you, Lord, that we get to be a church that is alive and free and uh, full of your presence. Today, we say we expect you. We expect you to show up. We want to take back our confidence in situations, Lord, that are frustrating us, Lord, or pressing us down. We just take our confidence in you today. We thank you for life. In Jesus' name, amen.